Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 375 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. Wait. 370? Okay. In this episode, I chat to Arcade Berg of Neon Giant about their action-adventure RPG, The Ascent. Now, you might notice my voice is a little bit lowered and toned because I'm just recovering from a cold. So apologies for that. No, it's not the thing. It's a cold. Anyway, that aside, The Ascent blew up a little bit late last year, if you remember. came out on Xbox Live Arcade. It's not called that anymore, is it? Game Pass. There you go, that's better. Suddenly went back ten years. And, uh, yeah, really, really good chat about a really, really good game. We delve deep into all sorts of things. Even reveal things that Arcade had yet to be revealed about this game. So without further ado, let's listen to me. Talk to Arcade about the Ascent. Chris, take it away. Arcade. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? Wow. Okay. Uh, I know my name. That's Arcade Berg. Um, and my title currently is uh, creative director and co founder of the studio Neon Giant Games. Or Neon Giant, but we make uh, video games. And I guess what I do is. Being as big a part of that as possible uh, with a focus on game design. Excellent. And um, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Well, it depends on on what level we want to start at. Uh, it's, it's, it's like the... we, we've had people <laughs> talk about, you know, barely a fetus. Like, oh, hello. Yeah, but... yeah, I mean, uh, I grew up with uh, an older brother who had, uh, you know, Commodore 64, Amiga 500 and that stuff, uh, always been into video games. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get my hands on uh, some of those really early um, game making tools, uh, like uh, there was one called Click and Play, uh, which um, I actually bought at the local bookstore. Uh, now, so I'm, I'm from a city that had like 7,000 people in it so uh you know there there, were, there wasn't a huge market of anything and this was probably 20 years ago or something and and you know that's when you started clicking things and things started happening on the screen um but when it really took off was when it was time to uh, uh go to uni because i've always been you know i'm not gonna say teacher's pet but i've been good at school i've i've uh, applied myself to my study so i knew that i was going to study but i had no idea what and i just postponed the decision and i postponed the decision and you know there, there was a time where i i gotta apply for units now it's you know it's just a few weeks left to even be able to and uh, my mom bless her um put a lot of uh, you know not pressure but you really need to apply now son and i just lost it and i went google okay uh video game development is that a thing 
and there was there was a school that offered that they just started a couple of years earlier and there was a unit that had game development computer game development uh with three different courses one was uh, design uh programming and art and i went to design got in and that was really like where it started then i never stopped and now i've been doing it for 15 years at a pretty high level that's incredible because historically we were chatting a bit in the virtual green room everyone about how historically um games were developed a bit pretty much ad hoc uh, there's no, no design manual really for video game development uh, and um yeah there was no university courses certainly but over the last 20 25 years they've been in existence you've definitely yeah benefited from that but it looks like you just caught it just when it was starting but now it's a these are established courses that one can, you can read a degree in video game design something that 20 years ago would have been unheard of i think it's wonderful yeah yeah i think when the year i started uh was the year when the first people had just gotten their degree so i was like in the in the uh the first wave but the second batch of people uh, so it was really early days, and that was one of the first schools in Sweden. And Sweden was early with this uh, to uh, to to have one of these educations. I'll I'll say they they hadn't figured it all out, no. um, but I owe a lot of my career to that uni anyway, because what they gave me was an environment full of like-minded people that also wanted to make games. So it was three years of just. A lot of it was figuring it out yourself, but in an environment that fostered it instead of, oh, and I got to get my law degree. And then in the evenings, I studied video games. It's like, no, no, I woke up and that's when I started to study video games. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? It's that, that, that's that, right, that like-minded community. Although mm. I'm happy to say there is diversification in the community. Some people like certain titles over others i never cease it to amaze me i have a friend of mine who you know loves really you know loves playing sort of very short and sharp arcade games or reactive arcade games mm-hmm. like defender and things like that or something you know just sort of like all shoot 'em ups yet despite that his favorite game of all time is XCOM. like you make no yeah. sense you just what is it with it i just really like it i know but that's none of that's reactive at all <laughs> it's just it's you know you plan everything out and then you hit go make sure hope 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 for the best that's not the same as are you you yeah but well, i just love I that i thought i knew you yeah i thought i knew you and then here you telling me your favorite game is xcom you strange human being but the point being that's something that we as a community do thrive off but also spar off as well unfortunately and that can be a problem i wish we'd just all oh, just get along but I'm sure you encountered that yourself, that like you were more lean towards certain genres, whether you'd want to or not, over others, and that can cause a little bit of friction. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting um, environment, or a perfect environment to to foster talent in, and then uh, you're constantly being encouraged to get engaged with the medium rather than do it on the side, like I say, like a, like a hobby thing. No, it's not a hobby. It's a job. It's a profession. And that's good. Or you can make it a job at least, especially early days, right? It's yeah. Th- yeah. There we 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 play video games. We like video games. Surely someone must have made these video games. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 it ought to be a job. It ought to be a job, surely. And lo and behold, you're right. And it's been a job for fifty years. I keep trying to remind people of this, but <laughs> not not ten, not five, fifty. Um, so. 15. Yeah, for yourself, but the generally, uh, yeah. it's been a job for 50, 5 zero, um, if you really think about it, if you go yeah, far back. Absolutely. So the next question is the dreaded third question, as many guests know. And you've already kind of answered at the beginning, so I kind of primed you a bit. But um, you can ask me this individually as a person or as as neon giant. I don't mind. Maybe both. Okay. What bit scared. You? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit nebulous, you see. That's why. It's difficult to answer. But I want you to think about it. If well, I hope you would. But the question is this. As a creator of things, which you are, what do you believe are your biggest influences? 
Okay. Yeah, this is a trap, isn't it? Um, no, but I've I've um, I've been for a long time saying whenever people ask um, anything related to 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 inspiration and influences, um, the 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 usual way of asking that question, uh, and I I uh, appreciate your way, but it is you know what what were what were the games that inspired you the most? Uh, but I think me and Neon Giant both, we take inspiration from so many fields. I think it's very, I will I will go as far as to say, naive and a bit uh, narrow-sighted to only look at games and what games do well or what games don't do well. It doesn't matter if it's gameplay or building worlds or telling a story. Um, if we want to not only break new grounds, but make fun games and engaging games we gotta look at everything so everything we do everything we read everything we watch everything we experience i mean i don't care if it's you climbing a mountain it gives you something and you need to bring all of that with you and i'm not an advocate to say it's like that every game needs to be an emotional impact or that kind of thing where you where you expose your soul it's like it, it can be a schmoop that's that's fine. They're great, but it can also be something much deeper, right? But regardless, you need to bring with you everything you've experienced. So, so you said you prime me because we were talking just earlier about me, for example. I I read a lot of comics mm-hmm. and I I love manga and anime and stuff. And uh, my co-founder, who is also creative director, uh, he reads a lot of books without pictures in them, and those two things combined you know gives you a bigger picture than if we were to say let's look at a bunch of cyberpunk anime together then that's what it's going to become and we need to get uh, a broader picture and since we at neon giant we really try to you know encourage people to be creative and give them a lot of leeway we can't decide where to get the inspiration from you know they will bring whatever they use and it might be books it might be movies it might be music it might be photography or scenery or vacations or their relationship i don't know but i think it's important to to use everything around you as an inspiration yes and it's something that i've mentioned not for a while now on the show but i sort of glibly maybe or encapsulate what you said there by saying we need more people making video games who have no interest in Star Wars. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's basically it. You know, it's not I'm saying they don't like it. They just well, maybe they don't, but they just have no interest in in it. But they have interest in other things. And they bring mm. those influences and those feelings and those in, aspects of the world, of the universe we're in. Uh, into the games they make and that's fantastic and that's one of the things i'd like to think like a pretty diverse uh tranche of games we have all sorts of things on it although we haven't done many sports sims i need to sort that out but it's kind of you know other than that it's pretty pretty broad you know and everything and every and, every, and anything and um I, I i can see what you've described there in the ascent the the, the you've drawn Many different influences. Of course, there is the obvious of you know Blade Runner. In fact, the opening sequence looks very like the Tyrell Corporation building there. It, it's fine. Yeah, that, that's no accident, right? That's, no, it's like it's just the opening sequence of that incredible film, which you know uh, people still celebrate, although scratch their heads, going, "What is it with the origami?" Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's still an extraordinarily iconic opening sequence, but. I do, of course, the ascent is in a much grander and much va- much more vast universe than than Blade Runner is. Which will yeah, come. and the good thing with like making that intro is that um, we know that most of the cyberpunk fans will have seen Blade Runner. They will appreciate this homage to that great piece of work, right? Yes. And yes. for those that haven't seen it, we look like geniuses <laughs> that made such a great intro. So, and I'll, I'll take either. You take either because you think, look what they've done. They've they've got they've captured the space so well. They've made the center point. Like, yeah, that's that's what they. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's the whole point. That's the why it's just a big monolith. It's a, it's a, an illusion. To, never mind pyramids. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, it's the you're the framing spot on. By the way, really, I'm, thank you. Really, I know how hard that was. I know how hard that was. You probably did it 20, 30, 100 times before we went, no, 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 no. See, now, you, now you're too high up. Because <laughs> you've got to frame it 
to spot on, otherwise it loses the impact. Quite extraordinary. Thank um, you. So the next question is this, and this one's, again, you can do it at a personal point of view or from your studio, I don't mind. But what do you believe, what, what, do you, what developer do you admire most in the industry and why? Wow. Oof, 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 oof. And it could be more than one, and it can be a person or a company. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I. Oh, it depends on, on which angle we take. So, for example, I have a hmm. huge amount of respect for Arcane. Oh, yes. I think uh, what they're making with their immersive sims is is amazing. Yeah. Uh, polished piece of work, mm. uh, great world building, fun gameplay. You know, they they get got that down to a T. But at the same time, none of that would happen without you know original Deus Ex, uh, which also had Harvey Smith, who is now at Arcane, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe Deus Ex wouldn't have happened without System Shock. And then you know, are we going back to War Inspector now? So you know. Yeah. Uh, there's al- always something before, right? Yeah. Um, but um, I would I would definitely say that Arcane is up there as a studio. Um, I am a huge Metal Gear Solid nut, so you know, uh, liking Kojima is because uh, ba- that man is a studio, right? It doesn't matter which studio it is; it's the studio he's at. That's the studio. Um, I do I do like a lot of that stuff. Um, but uh, any any anyone who's trying to get a bit outside of the uh, of the norm, you know, uh, there are fan- there are many fantastic games released all the time, but a lot of them are formulaic. You're waiting for the next sequel, and you know the next sequel is going to be good. And I'll be there, and I'll probably be one of those guys that pre-order, even though we shouldn't pre-order games anymore, uh, because I know what I will get. There's comfort in that, and the games are amazing. But those are those are studios that maybe I don't look at as much for inspiration on how to make games. Right. Understood. I think your opening answer is fantastic, though. We never had that. You're the first guest okay. in all the years of saying, yeah, Arcane. Why on earth not? Um, yeah, fantastic work. And, uh, you know, um, Deathloop was just, what, what a game. Um, I, I enjoyed it anyway. Um, and a lot of other people did. I was playing on the PS5 rather than the PC. I could have done both or either. Oh, I should, I should throw in from software there as well. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> Lest we forget. How dare, how very dare we? Yeah, um, I mean, I, 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 we could ramble a half an hour and just list could. all the studios to make great games. <laughs> uh, but I was trying to find the ones that, that, you know, bring something new to the table. And, uh, and they do. it would they be do. a miss to not bring soft, uh, from software in that because... They do. They did, yeah. and they they keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, and they're quite humble. What about they it as do well. shouldn't actually work. No, you shouldn't be able to do that, no. and you shouldn't be able to do it repeatedly for and, many years. And yeah, and you, you describe it, and you 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 describe the concept of it, and you, if you pitched it at university, when you like, they'll just like get out. <laughs> no, no one wants that. That's awful. That's just terrible idea. Get out. Um, yeah, so so will people enjoy it? No, probably not. No, no, they'll hate it. They'll 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 throw their. Oh, and they'll hate themselves as well. They will, yeah, because they know it's their fault because they screwed up. That's how that game works. There's way more to it than that. I know arcade. I know, but that's yeah. one of the key components is that it's actually not unfair. It's just you being a numpty. <laughs> <laughs> right, last question of the first half. See, wasn't too bad. Well done. Well, I don't, I don't know how many right I got so far. No, but I yes, know. Let's, yes, let's carry on. Yes, we've got seven points so far. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I have to ask you this because this is a video game podcast and therefore by law we have to talk about this stuff. What are you playing right now? Well, now I'm just going to sound like a fanboy, but that's rounding director's cut. <laughs> how is it? Is it better? Uh, but, no, so The only reason I'm playing it now, I, I don't know, I didn't play the original because that game... And I'm, I would never, I would never bash a game, um, but this game is so successful, so I'm allowed to to riff a bit. And I, I haven't played the game until now because from the first, you know, videos, it it's been upsetting me. It's it's everything I hate. I don't, I don't want to play walking simulators. I don't want games with that slow of a pace. I don't like, I, I don't like anything about this. 
you know what was me back when when it was released um but then back to it's like well you know it's it's one it's kojima two people love it why do people love it? no one should love this this maybe it's the the from software magic right like this shouldn't be good and i just did i just didn't play it and then they released a remastered on ps5 i was like uh, sorry director's cut and i was like for science yeah yeah you know and now i got like 30 hours or something and it's like it's like i'm and i still don't don't ask me what i feel because i don't know but don't 30 know. hours gotta mean something right yeah gotta mean something um, it's it's so clever, right? It's so clever, both both as a game as a, as a development piece. It's like it's super triple A, yet you basically only talk to people that are holograms statically on a on a machine. It's like yeah, that's that's super cheap to make, smart. Yeah, and the world is empty. Yeah, smart. It's because, like and they built the story around that. We're like. Yeah, looks so we don't have to build any assets. Well, that that many assets. Why? Because we had des- we decimated the planet. That's why. So yeah, yeah, clever. I've yet to delve into. it, I must confess, I get distracted by other things, but including. Well, I, I mean, you know. anyone who's interested in games as a medium and game design should give it a go, just to. Mm-hmm. experience a bit yeah i don't care if you finish it and i don't care if you play for 10 or 50 hours um I, but it's definitely worth having a look it's one of those quirky quirky things yeah i was given it free for my pc when i upgraded the cpu don't ask it's mm-hmm. just like it's amd were giving it away free with their new piece new processors and okay i wouldn't ask for this but that's how I've got it on my machine at the moment. So I'll probably just delve into that. It's, probably, you know, it's just sitting there for free and didn't pay anything for it. So like, I may as well. I mean, I do have a PS5, so I could get the director's cut. You could. But I'm sure it's been updated for director's cut on the PC. So I just do that. It doesn't matter. But you're right. I should delve into it because it is peculiar. You go across the world balancing crates on the back of your back. It's very strange. Yeah. And then when you... If I if I tell you that it's about that, and then you'll say, "Oh yeah, but not really." No. No, really. <laughs> no, like that. that that's that's it. And you will fall over, and then you'll hate yourself then because you, hate you put yourself, yeah. too many things on your back. It's like, yeah. oh, why did I? Why did I gamble? It broke. It's like so. Kojima's made quop then. Yes, basically. That was that was the joke. That yeah, that's what I call it. Yeah, yeah. it's quop. Yeah. High yeah. fidelity quop. Quop. Next yeah. gen quop. Listeners, look up quop. Q W O P. It's an it's an interesting experience. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> but um no, it's a good shout. Remind me. I mean at the moment I'm I'm in the middle of uh, just finishing off Halo Infinite, which doesn't end well, really. Yeah, I'm uh, waiting for co op. Yeah, it's a good shout. I- I play I play online with friends, but uh, waiting for that co-op. Too many blue corridors again. They never learnt from library, did they? They never did. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and uh, then playing uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey because someone prodded me saying I should play that. And they're right; it's a very pretty game, but it feels like that massive sandwich that Homer had in Simpsons. You know, just keep munching away. At it. Yeah, well, it's 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 an Ubisoft game. It's bound to be massive. It's just, it just doesn't stop. It's just, nibble away at it but anyway it's still fun so that's the end of the first half there you go that's 12 points <laughs> we now go into the second half of the show where we delve deep into the ascent
Okay. I bet this is where I won't have the answers. No, no, you're just, you know, just going to get lots of buzzer sounds. Um, so, before I ask you detailed questions, design questions, we need to set things up for everyone. So, okay, please tell us, in your own words, what is the Ascent? That is the hardest question about the entire game. It is, isn't it? Yeah. You, like, give me a detailed question, a specific question. I'll give you the answer. But, okay, let's try this. Um, Off you go. Off you go. The Ascent is yeah. an action shooter RPG uh, set in a cyberpunk world that we call Veles, uh, where the mega corporations own everything and everyone. And at one point early on in the game, the mega corporation that owns you and, and the arcology you're in just basically goes defunct. It, it, it disappears. And the question is then, what happens with a city, if you will, when all kind of policing and systems go offline? And with this, it's a one to four player online or offline co-op game. It's for PC and uh, Xbox, all the Xboxes. And uh, we we like to say that the world is the main character. And then you blow shit up. Oh, do you? Wow, do you? Yes. Of the blowing of crap up. That is a thing. But yeah. It's it's very near and dear to us. It is. And it's a third person game, just to be clear, everyone. Mm-hmm. So you're not uh, you're not in the in the head of the player, you're very much you know, in the in the realms of the at a time when VR is becoming ever more important, whether we like it or not, this is not that. This is almost the antithesis of that, and that's great. Nothing wrong yeah. with that, because that's the way. Because the way the ascent is presented, in my opinion, this is my observation is the character. The world is another character. It has its own emotions. It expresses them in very strange ways. But the environment you're in has emotions and characteristics as well as the character you're playing. I hope that's what you tried to achieve because that's what I got. Yes, very, very, very much so. Very much so. Yes. Um, because we we play as a uh, silent protagonist, right? And yeah. the best way then to, to have a story be that explicit or implicit is uh, with the world or other characters and since it's i mean there are there are characters to talk to and dialogue choices and, and cut scenes and, and stores and vendors and main missions side missions and you know there's a ton of content and and all the all the stuff you expect from rpg uh, a lot of the time will be you out in the vastness shooting things and then we still the only the only thing we have then for narration is either people calling you over the radio or the world actually responding right now so we like building worlds um so that's that's where that stems from we think that's a very fun way of doing it and it's quite different because a lot of the times the world is uh, um almost uh, an adjunct to the characters because traditionally certainly in role-playing games it's all about the characters and the people that inhabit the world and the things they're doing rather than... And the world is just like something they happen to be experienced that they're, they're existing in. It doesn't play front and centre. Well, I'm not saying it does front and centre in the Ascent, but it take, it plays a much larger role than it does in many other games. And I just found that quite interesting how you've done that. And this is a thread I'm going to explore a little bit in my design questions, but... I've got to congratulate you and you and your team in achieving that because that's not easy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so the player character in the ascent, he's quite small. Or well, sorry, they are quite small because it could be a male or female. Um, they're quite small compared to the environment they're in. Mm-hmm. What are the things have you done the design to make sure that the they are not they don't become lost in it? What are the things that's yeah, yeah, that that's a that's a fun one or 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 a problematic one because mm. uh, during development we had the camera much closer uh, for a long time uh, because by bringing in the camera you 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 the player because the the monitor or TV is your window into the world right you get closer and becomes more intimate and personal uh, but it did pose. Uh, challenges with the gameplay we want to achieve because you want to shoot the things on the screen and this being top down for most of the part uh, 
you only see as much as the camera thrust room allows because in a, in a first person you you turn around right so so we uh, had to zoom out a bit to allow for more for more uh basic character to fit on screen with with a distance that still felt nice with uh with the gun combat because something a lot of these uh, like if you look at uh, top down games with melee as the main main driver you can go however close you want to because the enemy will be in your face but we want enemies far away behind the cover and we didn't want to pull out too far so what we did um and this was over iterations and a lot of time right but what we did was that we brought out the camera a bit overall and then when action starts we actually zoom it out even more to allow because we know that once the combat ensues you're going to be less inclined to you know immerse yourself in the world and look at the signs and you know, look at the park bench and the stuff that's on it, the art. You, you, you're going to want to survive and shoot the baddies, right? And then when the combat is over, we bring it back in. And then we do the opposite. So when you're in uh, in cities or, or interiors that you find out in the world, uh, there are, there's no combat. So that will bring it in much closer. So you get to be more intimate with the world and in the story. So in some, some buildings and room, we bring the, the camera in really close to really show you this is the fidelity or fidelity that you're playing with. Like the entire game looks this good, but we don't have the opportunity to always show you that. Mm-hmm. And then we take it one step further. So every single character um, and, and like vendors and things, when you talk to them, we have a custom camera set up, a manual for each one that just frames the game in a nice way. So if you talk to like the armor vendor, the camera will, will uh, show his store in a really nice way. So you really get to see like, this is what the world looks like. This is the kind of world that you are running in. But then when you, again, you have your new armor, you run out, you start shooting baddies, we zoom it way out, but you still have that feeling of that armor shot, right? You know that there's a ton of stuff on every counter. You know that the doors are detailed and that there are, you know, thresholds to get into to, to rooms and things. So we, so we we bring the camera in as close as we can when we can and it makes sense. And then we bring it out to the level needed for gameplay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's ingenious. If it connects the player to the world they're in, and it fulfills a mechanic of, well, this is a ranged combat game. Melee is very rare. There is a special ability or two you can have to actually start hitting people things over the head. But nine times out of ten, you'd be killing things with a ranged combat. This is not usual for an action-adventure game normally. Like I say, it's melee-based or maybe mixed with some ranged, but the range won't be very fast. Like if you're casting spells, the, you know, the spell you know speed at which it's fired and is relatively slow and you know it's it you can actually zoom in a little bit more is you couldn't it, mechanically it didn't it, it couldn't work and even then there is some conceit here because the range is quite small for these weapons in reality if they weren't real then the range for them would be far far greater and it would actually be you know walking to an area you'd be a tiny little dot <laughs> because you know real range of these weapons even you know, current you know weapons we use today uh they're extraordinary the range of them uh, i i often cite games like you know armor or or indeed uh pubg is the uh, muzzle flash games if you see the muzzle flash you're probably dead yeah uh, that's just how that works like that's how it works their, their range and accuracy is ridiculous so you clearly you couldn't do that that'd be absurd there's little dots running around the screen it's so stupid so you had to yeah. there is some conceit here but the, the yeah. premise and the idea, the concept is, is is sound, and I found it really fun rolling about, dodging, shooting, just mowing things down. It's quite cathartic because I did play um, you know, Diablo two recently and stuff, or you know, or uh, oh, it wasn't. It's was Path of Exile, and it's like, yeah, there's a, you know, they're, they're extraordinary games, but they, you know, they their pacing and how you interact with the enemies is so different because. In, with this, is just like you line them up and start mowing them down, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's really quite satisfying. Uh, it's not, not 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 often, and that's a key component of the experience. But uh, no, good answer. I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus on the combat again, but this time, your relationship with the enemies around you. So it really is, in the ascent, the player and their position relative to the enemies is vital to really understand that and know where the threat is coming from. Mm-hmm. What have you done to advertise this to the player to make sure they have a reasonable chance 
to react and to alter their their positioning and what they're doing at any given moment to give them a reasonable you know we're talking about the souls games you know how they that's how that works you know you get you do get fair warning <laughs> before you get mm. clobbered what have you done in the ascent to give a sense of give them give them you know give them a chance yeah uh it's it's a tricky one right we don't have a this is the solution this is what we finally figured out uh i would say that the ai is probably the the part of the game that has had the most amount and smallest in size increments of improvements now i, th- right. I think it's it's really good where we landed right but it wasn't it was never the ah, got it this yeah. is this is the solution uh, but what it comes down to is uh, is the cover system, right? Uh, also, something I have never seen in a in a top-down game before. Um, and what that what that means is that you can crouch behind cover, so can the enemies, um, and you don't need to be right up to it. You can crouch in you know, five meters uh, behind it. That's perfectly fine. And then you can shoot either waist high, which is cover height, or high. And what what that allows you to do was things like one is you if as long as you are uh, behind the cover, you are safe, assuming there are no enemies in the let's say behind you, right? So you are on the wrong side of the cover. But even at that point, you only have to care about half the game, right? Half the screen, if there are enemies on that end, so you know uh, it's it makes more sense on what to prioritize. But also with enemies uh, taking cover, when they do, that gives you the breathing room to maybe change cover or even uh, throw a grenade or run around it. So it's a way to temporarily turn off enemies, if you will, instead yeah, of them yeah. all just circling you and shooting at the same time. Yeah. And crowd then there, there are systems in... Really. Sorry, go on. Crowd control, basically. So... Yeah. And then there are systems in the background saying, you know, not too many enemies are allowed to use their special abilities at the same time, so you don't end up, you know, with too many grenades on you and stuff like that. Uh, again, you know, to to pace this, and with with the reference to, for example, Dark Souls, that that they give you a tell, what we do, and this this is a scoop because we never told anyone, but some people might have noticed, is that the uh, first. Uh, let's say batch of enemies like the 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 ranged enemies in the first mission that has ranged enemies uh their bullets are slower and that's to teach you to you can actually dodge bullets just trying to walk sideways might not be the best solution but if you crouch or if you uh you know jump to the side you'll be fine and we just have given you a bigger span there so then when you hopefully have figured this out and you move into, let's say, the real game and the projectiles are faster, you know, but but I've been able to dodge them and we're back to, it must be me. Because if you're fast enough, then you will be able to to avoid them. So we do we do some things like that as well to, to you know, ease you into the level we want you to be playing at later. Well, and it I think worked, that helps yeah. as well. It, it worked for Enter the Gungeon, so why not? <laughs> it's it's yeah you're, you're dodging and it's a wonderful sort of conceit and being doing the neo basically of dodging you know bullet, bullet <laughs> pretty dodging. much yeah why not uh they've made a new one i i don't know if it's any good or not i might watch it probably eventually um but uh no i i i, I also appreciate the scoop yay <laughs> i appreciate it obviously i teased it out of you yeah, no, it was tough. It was, uh, it was. Uh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> so, and this question is about atmosphere. So again, we had um, some discussions about influences and stuff like this, and uh, in, before we started recording, and one the big word that I came that hit my head when I started playing the Ascent when it was first released last year was um, claustrophobia. The sense okay. of no sky initially and we'll come to this it's not really a spoiler that much but eventually uh-huh. you know you do go up to the upper levels and that you know and it's, it, but otherwise it's constant feel of oppression like pressing down on the player character they're just trying to make their way in this horrible cruel world and 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 they've got themselves into a bit of a mess and they're trying to get themselves out of it um 
And I just found that when you finally do break free, I say free, but you go to the upper levels and it's up in the clouds and there's actually blue skies and it's actually quite pleasant and lots of bright colours and shiny chrome everywhere. There's no dirt or grime anywhere and until you arrive and start blowing everything up. But, <laughs> uh, but I just found, how have you found designing it with the underlying tone? Because I do feel that there are tones to each level of the the arcology that you're in. How yeah. is it? Was it a, a conscious effort, or is it something that just uh, emerged during the design? No, this this was this was actually one of the the early things that we established. So a lot of the game has just grown organically. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I said before, but I I have never worked on a game. A development project before that has been as organic as this and has been like people developers always say oh you know find the fun uh usually it's just uh it's uh you know it's a sexy word right it's marketing mm. uh of course you want to find the fun but usually you can't because you know yeah. when you're 500 people uh many 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 millions of dollars budget like there's no time to find the fun we're heading this way come on um but we we actually did, but there were a few things set early, and that, the the different tiers of their ecology was one of those saying, you know, the the theme of top to bottom needs to be for everything. So the bottom of their ecology is it's dirty, it's industrial, it's loud, but that's also reflected with the characters down there. It's it's the feral mutated creatures, right? You start the game there, you're weak, you're struggling, you're nobody. Then you get up to you know the slum, and the slum is great, but it's a hell of a lot better being down in the maintenance shafts. And then you know we bring it up to like you say, at the end above the clouds and the blue sky, and that contrast was very important for us to show that this is. You know what they talk about with the people up there, the, the you know the echelon of everything. So so that whole thing with your your character's progression, your social status, uh, the the shifts in class and and biomes and uh, you know uh, geography and and everything that was key on everything we did. So you know even the enemies are dressed nicer once you get up to the Rojin area, right? Like the enemies have suits because yeah they're they're you could call them thugs, but they got they got cash. Yeah, and we we really we didn't want people in tank top at the top, right? They wouldn't wear it. No, wouldn't make any sense. But I just found it really interesting, so contrasting, and it's so clever how it you slowly go up the tree, and all this psychology, and the higher up you go, the more opulent and more pleasant inverted commas it became. Yeah. But the people in it didn't really change, and that's quite interesting. It's a, it's just really interesting study on, <laughs> on human condition or sentient <laughs> condition, I should say. Uh, and I just love the fact that Poon, who's a character you encounter early on, yeah. you, 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 foolishly you may think he's a monster. He's not far from it. Far from it. He's probably the most empathetic, kindly person you ever. Because he's the one. Without him, it really would fall apart. And he's just looking out for everyone. Yeah, I'm happy to hear you say that because that's it, right? He takes care of his people. You know, he might not say nice things to you, but that's because he needs your help to care for his people in his stack. He's the stack boss, right? That's right. And that's not an easy or appreciated job. He's stuck in middle management. Yeah. Uh, And you you get resentful. But absolutely, he's, he's not a... Okay, I'm, he's not a bad guy, you know. He's no, a he's not a bad guy. guy. He, he he beats he beats people up in the kitchen and he smuggles yeah. drugs. You know, he's not great. No, but uh, he he is the reason that the people just going about their day can. Yes, it's it. Yeah, it's he's he could do go about his life a little bit better than he does, but he gets stuff done. And he's clearly been through the mill because he's got artificial limbs and all sorts. Horrible things have happened to him. So maybe that's just like, you know, I don't know. But uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's um, seen some shit. He's seen and done things that all But also, also on the uh, on the thing with the um, uh, different tiers and uh, the levels is it 
a lot of it comes from the restriction with the camera. Uh, since we don't give you the first person view, so you can't, you know, look up in the sky and, you know, look at the vistas. The camera's always looking down. So one thing we felt was very important for us to show, to make a better game, but also to show our craftsmanship is we need to, you know, go to 11 on verticality because people say that, you know, with this camera, the game is flat. But it yeah. doesn't have to be. No. So that's why we just punched holes in the world all over to to let you stare down those holes. Because even if it's verticality downwards, that also shows that if you're if you're down there, it's upwards, right? Mm-hmm. And then when, when we let you go to the next level, next level, next level upwards, it means oh, there are now holes to down where I was, and we keep having these elevators and, and stairs and stuff just to show that there is no reason and no excuse for a top-down camera game to be flat. No. No, you, and there are some scenes where things happen in the background, nothing to do with you, utter chaos, utter destruction. It happens way early in the game where this big pipe explodes and something goes tearing through it and it causes all sorts of mayhem and destruction down in the sewer levels. And it's just like, you didn't cause that. You did, it just happens. Things happen to you. <laughs> wrong place, wrong time. Wrong place, wrong... You didn't do that. Nine times, that kind of... That kind of uh, epic kind of um, scene would be something you would trigger, but no, not in this game. No, no it just happened. That's, that's basically what happens to this character. Stuff happens to them, typically. Not later on, though. You do cause things to happen, but initially yeah. things happen to you. you yeah, do you, you don't end the eventually. game completely innocent. No, no. Why would you? Last question, then. I know. Yes, sir. Things must come to an end, but here we are. The sense of progression is awarded by getting better gear and modifying the character. Um, how have you prioritized gear versus stat progression in the ascent? Because that's something that exists on all role-playing games. There's this balance between, um, you know, your own stats so to speak you know your charisma and strength and all that nonsense versus the boosts you get from what you're wearing what you're using what you're that kind of thing and i've always found it it's quite transparent certainly in the basic version or the original version of world of warcraft um in that you know you spend a lot of time building up your stats and your character eventually you reach a cap and you can't progress any more like that but you can the only way to progress is to get more gear um and that's how that works how that game has worked for decades now i don't want to remind people that game is over 15 years 16 years old now um but um what have you done with the ascent how have you found balancing when i say balancing contrasting those two sense of progressions yeah, that's that, that for me is an interesting one. And I think this surprised a lot of people uh, because when they hear RPG, they expect certain things. Uh, so, for example, you you um, uh, early on mentioned uh, that you were playing Diablo 2 and stuff. Uh, we, during all the uh, the marketing, deliberately stayed away from, you know, mentioning or referencing or even commenting on games like Diablo. Yeah. Uh, and then as the game came closer to launch and people, you know, the Steam Force and everything is like, oh, it's like Diablo with guns. We would actually jump in and say, no. No, it's not. Because if that's what you expect, then you will be disappointed. Yeah. So we, we during the, the marketing, we internally called it managed expectations. And that's not to, let's not have people get their hopes up, but let's not get people expecting something it isn't. Yes. Because we made an action game with RPG mechanics. And I, I, me as a developer as well, I don't have the nor do I want to, but the hardcore Excel crunching RPG development experience. Right. I make I, I make it glorious and fun to blow shit up, right? And something we said very early, uh, and that was never debated, was we never want to uh, block, artificially block player progression because the numbers don't add up that no you can't cause any any damage on the enemies because your level is too low or because your strength are this or that we don't, we didn't want those false barriers we said a good enough player 
should be able to get through the entire game with shit equipment and a low-level character. It might not be you know, fun or efficient, but it should be possible. Skill should be rewarded. And then we have the RPG layer saying, but if you keep up to par, then everything will be smooth sailing. The game is balanced for you to be at roughly the same level as the enemies you encounter, right? So if if the the average player goes into an area with enemies that are way stronger, you will most likely die. That's what we see. But some players are really good at video games, and they, they win anyway, and that's perfectly fine. The only way we gate progression is you know, with the narrative that this is not allowed to happen before this has happened because that's the story of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that was very deliberate. So almost all of our stats are, are only modifiers. You know, grow stronger, you do more damage, congrats. And then we do a lot of things like where we compare um, uh, player versus enemy level. And if the enemy level is in relative terms too high, then the enemy will get a skull. And if he gets a skull, then you will do much less damage, but you still do damage, etc., etc. We have a bunch of those systems. And the same thing when it comes to gear is that at this level of the game, the, the game expects you to have this kind of loot available because we've made sure that the loot that drops and the loot you found in the map in chests and the loot you can buy in in stores is adequate then you're fine Mm -hmm. but if you're coming there with you know hot pants and a tank top (laughs) you will take you will be punished yeah right you will you will take a lot of damage but again if you just avoid all the incoming bullets that's fine even if one bullet would kill you you can survive and i prefer making games like that i prefer probably playing games like that i i think skills should be rewarded Hmm. but not required we shouldn't i don't want to make a game where we say well if you suck you're not going to be able to enjoy the game and that's why you know just level up a bit more get better equipment and then it goes the other end where you are stronger than the enemy and that's also perfectly fine yeah. That's 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 how you chose to play it, and then we have uh, difficulty options and stuff as well. Yeah. And with the uh, just about the abilities, mm-hmm. we also said very early on, we want this to be a power fantasy. You know, I personally I don't like when I'm always worried about running out of ammo in games because I want to shoot things. Right? We don't even have ammunition as a resource. You know, shoot to your heart's content. And same thing with the abilities. You should feel like a badass using these abilities. So they are deliberately very strong and powerful. Is that you got to get it into your game loop of how you play the game to use them. Yeah. That's why that's why the energy recharges over time. That's why there's no ammunition. Because we want you to go full throttle to the extent of what your character allows. And that, yeah. I think, makes for a fun experience where you can go, holy F, I... I cost some damage yeah what did i just do <laughs> i mean there's exploding barrels everywhere they're great you you, you, you nailed the explosions from those they're fantastic uh but yeah thank you it's uh you definitely reveled in that aspect of of the game because you know if you did have ammunition it would be it'd be constant collectathon wouldn't it be just constantly running around and go oh there's a man there's a mama oh and it, it just wouldn't work the the the, the premise for us. no it wouldn't work for the ascent it really wouldn't wouldn't good good decision <laughs> thank you so there it is the ascent which is developed by a neon giant um where's the name come from by the way oh that was uh that was uh, more more labored than i think people appreciate um not the name of the game but the name of your studio well the name of the yeah, game is yeah. also interesting as well <laughs> Uh, no, but the name, the name of the studio, yeah. uh, it, it actually came from, um, you only get to name it once. Rebranding, I mean, you can change the logo maybe, but rebranding yeah. the name is, is tough. So, so you want to yeah. get it right on the first attempt. Uh, so we basically had a bunch of uh, rules that we set up, which was like, uh, uh, you shouldn't uh, mishear it. Uh, there should be a domain available. Mm-hmm. Um it should not be a joke or a pun. We love puns, so it's very right. hard not to go down that route. But like, it should be something that that uh, you know uh, relates to what we do somehow. 
and uh, we quickly learned that it probably needs to be two words because all all one words are used. All the mm-hmm. all the good words are used. Right. Right. Uh, and then we started mixing, mixing, mixing. So the um, the neon came from obviously neo new the the, and the, mm-hmm. the cyberpunk vibes that we like and, and it, it set the tone really well. And uh, we also agreed on giants because both me and my co-founder are really into to giants the the creature, not not just size. And mm-hmm. we just like started matching things together, it's like neon giants. Yeah, that's that's a powerful yeah. name. I could I could see a logo. I can see branding. Uh, it it it's easy to say it's easy to spell because some 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 company names outside the game do as well it's just hard to spell yeah. especially for non-natives yeah yeah right the, yeah. the only the only thing that some people get wrong is that they think it's neo instead of neon oh. uh, but uh, I'll, I'll take it yeah but so it just came down to what can we think of that just checks all the marks for how we want to brand our studio and something that we can feel comfortable hmm. being behind and representing. Cool. Okay. And the Ascent, uh, what platforms is it available on? So it's available on uh, PC Steam, uh, PC, Xbox app, and uh, all the Xboxes, Xbox One, S, uh, Series S, Series X, uh, cross-play, cross-gen, all the things. Uh, also available on the Game Pass. Yes, and it's it's, it's Windows PC. I understand? Yes. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. I have to be careful with that because you know some people like the. I mean, my laptops are Mac, so you know. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess because it, it just doesn't want to die. Anyway, um, it's been fantastic having you on, Arcade. It's been a fantastic. Oh, it's been guest. fun. Yeah. It's been great. Um, more than welcome to come back to chat about whatever next you've got coming up down the. You know, coming down the stream, no idea what it is, but um, I don't know. You can't tell me, but <laughs> I'm not that... giving you that scope oh, just yet. God, no, that would be that would be illegal, probably. Um, well, contract breaking, but um, uh, whatever it is, would love to have you back on to chat about it because we do have a lot of return guests. Yeah, no, uh, let's make it happen. Yeah, but in the meantime, thanks very much. Thank you so much. This was this was great. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com. <laughs>